welcome to episode two of Adopting Wellness. I'm Laura. I'm Katie. And today we are graced with the presence of the beautiful Jen Chapman. Oh, so kind. Hello. Yes. Jen is going to be talking with us today about planning and organization. And I'm going to read your your bio, Jen, so we learn a little about you. Yes. (laughs) Yep. We're so profesh here. Okay. So profesh. Jen is a Korean-American transracial, transnational adoptee, wife to her husband, Matt, mama to seven-year-old Nora, and she's a part-time connections director at their church, a planning and memory-keeping YouTuber, and she's PTA president. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Get it, Jen. Yeah. She's an advocate for adoptee voices, ally for black and brown lives, and believes in anti-stigmatizing mental health issues. Welcome, friend. We are so glad Thank to have you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yay, Jen. Episode two. What up? Our very first guest. Jen, we're so happy you're here. Oh. So let's just jump right in. Do it. Okay. So tell us your relationship with planner slash organization and mm. how does that fit into your wellness journey? They're all synonymous and they all happened sort of like at the same time. So I was shortly after I've I've always been into planners and stationery. We can start with that. That's like, you know, eight-year-old me with Lisa Frank and like a trapper keeper and like all the scratch and sniff stickers and all the pens and all the markers. Like y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Yep. Fast forward. Exactly. Fast forward to college and I'm like, okay, I do need to have a planner because otherwise I won't remember what assignment is due when. So I did get a planner, but I really only used it for pure function, just as most people do, and is totally normal. Um, And then shortly after I had Nora, which was in 2015, 2016, around that time, I discovered the Happy Planner um, company, which is a pretty well-known company for making disc-bound planners. They're sold at major craft stores, which is how I came upon it. And I was diagnosed with OCD around that time. And I found myself recording all the things Um, when Nora last nursed, when she made a bowel movement, because she had issues with that, Um, you know, her napping schedule, what we were eating, I was planning our meals in it. I was writing down appointments, Nora's appointments, things like that. And then I discovered that there were stickers for those things. And (laughs) then that was just the end of life as I knew it. And by life, I mean my budget. Um, we just went overboard with all the things I went back to the craft store and it became an immediate obsession. And it was for me as an adoptee who I think y'all have both even said on various podcast episodes, uh, that we tend to be people pleasing, um, you know, highly functioning, uh, even though mentally maybe we're not doing so great. Um, and so for me, I was like, oh, this is the way I can justify quote unquote playing with something and having something that's for me, but also feels like I'm doing things for the family because I'm planning our meals and I'm putting our budget on paper and stuff like that. So that's how I got into it. And it is directly tied to my wellness. Now I've, I've been doing this, what I call decorative planning for, well, since 2016, consistently. 
Um, I started an Instagram during the pandemic and a YouTube channel shortly thereafter. And um, for me now, it has become a way to balance the many plates that I feel like I have to keep up in the air at once, um, given the, the things you mentioned in my short bio, uh, as well as practicing my creativity. And it's also somewhere where I journal and I track my exercise and my sleep and things like that and symptoms for my health. So it is all encompassing <laughs> for me. Wellness, yeah. planning, stickers, they're all synonymous. Yeah. Can we go back to when you were diagnosed with OCD? Yeah. I'm curious to know, how did you react with that diagnosis? And mm. did you immediately get drawn into planning be because of that diagnosis? Or like, I guess I... I'm just curious about like how you coped with that diagnosis and what that meant to you and mm -hmm. if planning was related to that. So I think, I think it made a lot of sense when I was diagnosed with it, but I was very surprised because um, as we know, adoptees are oftentimes misdiagnosed and I was misdiagnosed with several things um, from bipolar to BPD to um, they used to call it manic depressive disorder, um, all kinds of different things. And so I decided after I had Nora, um, I actually noticed that I was writing things down, like almost obsessively, like, hmm. you know, nurse on the left side for 20 minutes. Cause I, I had all kinds of issues with nursing. I had all kinds of issues with Nora going to the bathroom, which recently she's been diagnosed with celiac. So we know now why she was constipated, mm -hmm. even though she was solely breastfed for over two years, um, because mommy was eating gluten. And so she was getting it, but we had no idea that anybody even had a sensitivity to gluten in the family. Again, had to not having access to adoption and, mm, uh, you yeah. know, all those things, that's, that's a whole other can of worms, but, mm. um, but yeah, so I noticed that I was writing these things down very obsessively and I didn't think that that was normal and some of my friends were like mm, yeah I don't know and my midwife who um, would come over from time to time because I was so so tired and had such severe postpartum anxiety that I was hallucinating so at that wow. point she said you need to go find someone yeah. um, and so I did and my only criteria criteria um, was that she was a woman of color who was at least trauma informed. Mm -hmm. Forget like trying to find an adoption informed therapist. That's like shooting for the, you know, the stars. So I, I really did find a gem of a human. And um, she was like, you know, let's just at my initial appointment, she said, let's just start from scratch because that does not make sense to me that you would have all those different diagnoses and, what you're describing yourself as doesn't match up with those diagnoses. So like, yeah, maybe you exhibited some of those qualities when you were in your teen years, but that could have been completely hormonal and have nothing to do with, you know, your makeup or who you are or why you are the way you are. So let's just do a testing. And that was real fun. <laughs> it was like 18 <laughs> hours of psychological testing over the course They're, of... It's brutal. It yeah. was so, I was like... Like after it was a full, you know, 
oh, let me go in on a Saturday morning because that was the only time I could go in because, you know, Matt was working full time. My husband. That's what so you want to be doing on Saturday I was like, morning, right? Four hours straight sitting in this little room answering questions <laughs> like about geometry and mm. like world history. Like what is why am I talking about the isosceles triangle right now? Like, I don't know what that has to do with my mental health because it was very much like an um, IQ test, like a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. So Anyway, that's when they were like, she was like, well, interestingly enough, your results came back indicating that, you know, you have a, it's pretty clear that you have OCD. And I was like, what? (laughs) Oh my gosh, are you serious? Like, I don't touch things like a certain number of times. I don't like have rituals that I do, but there were other things that I did that she was like, those things are in combination with your like compulsive need to write things down to like Mm -hmm. know things you're perseverating things like that um she was like those all point to OCD isn't it so interesting though how like I can also see an aspect of your adoptee self because like you mentioned earlier we don't have access to certain information we Mm -hmm. um we're misdiagnosed a lot of the time. Like other people like to put these labels and these ideas in our heads about who mm-hmm. we are and what's quote unquote wrong with us. Right. But isn't it interesting how some of those things that you were doing outside of that label within the context of being an adoptee make sense, right? Like mm-hmm. I was thinking more about like the memory planning that you like to do mm. and how I think for a lot of us, like the memories are really precious to you know that we're making especially with your family can you talk more about that aspect of yeah yeah um I love I got into memory planning well I I liked scrapbooking back like gosh high school college days I thought it was fun to just make collages and stuff like that and put them in like a photo album and I've always liked photos and I think that Um, And I've always liked writing too, as well, and journaling. So for me, I discovered memory planning as like sort of a modern form of scrapbooking where it's not like this huge 12 by 12, like, you know, um, complex piece of artwork, right? It's like capturing these stories, big and small in the everyday minutia. And whether you have a photo or not, it doesn't matter, but you can get as decorative and crazy and like, you know, intricate as you want when you're creating these paper crafts or you can just journal about it and throw down some washi or a sticker or something and have that be that but yes it's integral to who I am because I firmly believe in being able to tell your story and to pass that legacy on um mm-hmm. you know yeah, can you me, talk about that like on your YouTube you I I um for those of you who have not had the pleasure of watching Jen's YouTube I was just talking to her yesterday I was like I'm binge watching your YouTube channel again because she's super talented oh and mm-hmm. extremely creative and one of the books that you're creating specific, specifically on the memory planning side is for Nora right can yeah you talk about that yeah they're they're really all for her essentially I mean they're for me because they're fun to create. Like that's the part that's for me. But the part that is for her is that she has this physical piece to hold on to for the rest of her life, hopefully, <laughs> um, that will house stories big and small. And maybe even like I'm not, um, I don't censor myself when I write in those. So she can go back and be like, well, mom and dad, we're having a minute. Like that, <laughs> that's why that week was so weird or something, you know, like, she, you know, she will be able to look back on those things and um, hopefully, 
yeah, just have all those things that we did not have as adoptees. We don't have those moments. Mm. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, so over the moon, like there, I think that is why this is such a priceless um, activity for me where I feel like there is no dollar amount that I can put on all the things that are around me right now, which I wish you guys could see because there's just I'm surrounded by stickers and pens and ribbon and sequins and washi tape. And it's just it's amazing because all these things become um, a priceless keepsake that Nora will have for the rest of her life and be able to pass down. And to me, that's just like the best. That's amazing. I'm so struck by that. Adoptee me, like (laughs) my heart is so like child me, you know, I'm like, Oh, what a gift. That's incredible. Look at that. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. It's It's also really special because I think for anyone that's experienced trauma, there's a chance that it's really difficult to recall memories. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really special that you're doing that for Nora because I often can't remember anything before I was like 12. Yes. yes. 10 or 12. Same. Yep. And there my mom actually kept a journal for me up until I was 18. She <gasps> maintained she maintained it and started it before oh. I actually came to Louisville and I did not know that. That's so cool. And so she wrote in it every year and sometimes she skipped a year. Like it, you know, I totally get it. And, uh, that is the only way that I could piece together some of my childhood because Mm. I just can't remember anything. Yeah. So I think that's so special that you're doing that for Nora so that she has something that can really, you, she can just as a story like you said like yeah. just turn the page and and look at her her and your life story yeah thanks wow that's so cool I did not know that about your mom your mom just keeps getting like more and more amazing every time I learn <laughs> something else about her um but yes I I feel the same I am I started EMDR um last fall I think I've only had maybe like five or six sessions um, just because like it's a weekly thing and every week doesn't always work out. But um, there are like years, bands, like chunks of my life that I remember absolutely nothing. And if my mom had not kept like photos for me to look back on, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a recollection at all of some Mm. of those things. Yeah. Um, Quickly. I just want to ask Laura, can you, kind of explain what EMDR is because I'm yeah. never trained in it. I am. So EMDR stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And it's the it's extremely popular now, especially for um in the trauma uh trauma treatment therapy. Any anyone that's experienced any kind of trauma, but there's also protocols for EMDR uh for everything now basically anxiety, um OCD I mean, pretty much depression, um, mm-hmm. treatment resistant, anxiety and depression, both. So, uh, and it, essentially what you do is you, um, your, your therapist follows the protocol, essentially decides where to start. Right. And while you're recalling a certain memory or talking through something difficult, or even just experiencing an uncomfortable sensation in your body, you are either, um, following a light bar or a dot with your eyes back and forth 
or you can sometimes do a physical, um, there are physical tappers that you can hold that buzz in, um, alternate back and forth in your hands. Which one have you done, Jen? So I'm in person, but it is just a bilateral on an iPad that I hold. And then I yep. have headphones over my ears. Yep. I watch the dot go back and forth and mm-hmm. the noise, you know, there's a noise when the dot hits the left or the right side of the screen. Yeah. And there's a lot of research that says that that um, bilateral movement, that back and forth movement um, is is tied to essentially what we do in our sleep. It, it um, imitates that REM sleep type of um, repair that happens and that um, helps you both break down traumatic memories and then just very naturally reintegrate them in a healthier way. So that's my little elevator speech. Thank you so much for coming <laughs> to my TED talk. Okay. <laughs> I know because when I try, I wish I could, I'm just going to rec- go back and when this is recorded, record that explanation <laughs> because when I am talking about it, because I'm like what, one of the things in my bio is that I'm super passionate about like destigmatizing mental health. I tell yeah. literally everybody, like I'll yeah. cu- roll up to like pick up for Nora at school and be like, yeah, just came from EMDR. And they're like, what's that? And I'm like, well, I'm a crazy person and I, I have to go <laughs> get my eyes. Desense. No, that's not it. Like, and then I'll just press play and it will make it so is much one more of those sense. things though. I want to like, seriously, everyone, every single person, that I know that's done in EMDR, even for me, it's something you kind of have to experience yes. to understand yes. because you, it's, it's very strange. It's yes, not really it's like so anything weird. else you've done before. Yeah. No, no. And I was, even me, like having talked to Katie before and knowing mm-hmm. like Katie had done it and that it's, mm-hmm. you know, she's like, I'm like, remember her saying, oh, this is, this was intense. It was intense. And me being like, <laughs> okay. And then actually going and being kind of skeptical, like, how is this going to help me at all? Because all I'm doing is really what I do in talk therapy already, which is talking about an experience that happened, but it just does. It's wild. It is wild. I don't know about y'all, but every time I've done it myself, like Mm -hmm. in my own therapy, I feel like I've done like 20 sessions of therapy in one. I'm just so exhausted. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) It's a lot. It is so much. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember doing it in Korea, and it was not oh, a common. Baby. It was not a common time, uh, or uh, well, yeah, it wasn't really common back then. I mean, this was yeah ten plus years ago, yeah, and uh, yeah, like now they have well, not now, but I only did the laser point uh, and and did a lot of work on memory recall mm. and it I left with migraines oh wow um, yeah but I that's why I kept saying it was intense because mm. it's just different for everyone and mm-hmm. and your body reacts your mind reacts to things that you're trying to like dig very very deep in mm-hmm. and that's why it's like it's so good for trauma work um because it's so focused on it. Yeah. Um, and we're so good at not focusing on it. <laughs> I know. Out of survival, some most you know, most of the time. But yes. right. yeah. Yeah. Wow. We went down a rabbit hole. It's a good no, rabbit hole. Are, but yeah, I I wanted to get that out there because I think a lot of people are curious about it. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of Do people it. have been told about it, but yeah. they but there's not a great understanding sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I will say just 
to complete my elevator pitch, <laughs> I will say, um, I think as an adoptee, Jen mentioned, like, you know, you were talking about finding your, a therapist. I think when you do deep trauma work, you, you absolutely want to feel like you can build trust with a therapist that you're going to be diving that deep with, because that's oh, yeah. a whole other layer of vulnerability that I would say 99.9% of us are not going to feel super yeah. comfortable with at first. Yes. And I have had other adoptees say to me, wow, like good for you for doing that because it's not like psychotherapy where you can sort of present yourself as X, Y, or Z, right? Like you're literally tapping into core memories or like physical feelings in your body. Um, I don't know how to describe it, but like at one point she asked me, you know, to, to recall a memory that made me feel uncomfortable, but not like on a scale of like on a scale of one to 10, not like a 10 being the worst, but like maybe like a five or a six. And she's like, you don't have to tell me what that memory is, but if that memory had a shape, what would it look mm-hmm. like? And then, mm-hmm. so like it, it gets weird in that sense. Like it, you got, mm-hmm. you do these like sort of somatic imaging, like exercises, yeah. I guess for lack of a better word. And um, so it's like, you're not, you're not, you can't explain that shape. Mm-hmm. Like you could in psychotherapy and just make yourself seem like, Oh, I'm fine. Like I went to the gym yesterday and I'm no, you're like, well, this shape is like gray and black, you know, <laughs> and you just go like right into this visceral part of feeling and remembering. And yeah. so you can't, you can't make that up. You know, you do have to trust who you're yeah. with mm-hmm. because it is yeah. so intense. You just go right there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you for sharing that with us. I think that's, like you said, Katie, that's so helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, Just to get back to your journey, Jen, like what Mm -hmm. do you think have been some of the toughest, toughest aspects of, of this planning and organization for you as you've moved through them when you're thinking Uh, about that? So having OCD and being type A, I am a perfectionist and I'm kind of all or nothing. So I'm the type of person where like, if I start to let something go, I will either just completely walk away from it and abandon it and things will just sit and I'll like walk into my craft room and get overwhelmed and walk back out. Um, or I will over plan so much that I'm like so far ahead of the game and I start messing up like dates on videos and things like that because I've planned like a month in advance. And um, another thing I struggle with will be like overworking because it's in my house and I don't get paid for this, by the way. Like, I mean, yes, I do get stickers sent to me and certain products from time to time will get sent to me. And occasionally I'll make like 50 bucks here or there from YouTube or you know, an affiliate link, but it's very sporadic. It's not like reliable income. So I'm dishing out well over $300 a month, let's say on products. And I just don't want to leave my craft room. Like this is my happy place. So I do struggle with balancing, you know, um, putting an end time and stopping my work. Like, even though my husband's like, let's call this a hobby. It's not really a job. I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. But (laughs) whatever you want to say, he's looking at it from a monetary perspective, not from like, you know. Um, So I'm like, call it what you want, but I'm going to call it work. Okay, fine. It is work for you. I mean, from what you described. of work. Yeah. Yeah. And just watching your, watching you work. I mean, I, it almost 
it almost sounds like what you were talking about earlier. It's like, there's, there's like different modes you can get in when you're in that room. And when you're doing that, where you're like in the flow Mm -hmm. where things are just like happening and you're kind of just in the vibe or there's like days when you kind of have to like push through, like bulldoze through. Is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely. Hmm. Yep. Um, but I still do it because I know like there is no way I could balance a lot of being PTA president is actually like organizing, coordinating, and corresponding with people, a lot of communication. So if I literally didn't write down like every single task on my daily planner, which is like text social worker, like pick up snacks, you know, all those little things. Um, I have a daily page. I used to like scoff at people who are into daily planning. Cause I'm like, you have a weekly planner. Why do you need a daily planner? What's wrong with you? Now I'm like over here, like, oh, <laughs> listen, Judgy McJudgerson, calm down, because you're the one with the daily planner. <laughs> now, like, writing all the lists for lists of lists. And that is how people ask me, like, how do you, you know, have a little, like, I work very part time. My job at my church is like eight to 10 hours a week. Um, and I'm, it's very flexible. So um, a lot of it is like social media stuff that I can just do from home. And, um, And how do you do PTA? And then how do you remember that Nora has, you know, like Girl Scouts and has to wear this vest and blah, blah, blah. And this day at school, they have to wear their socks inside out for kindness day or whatever, you know? And I'm like, because I I literally write it down on a piece of paper and then I get the satisfaction of checking it off. And even better is that I get to put stickers on it. Like this one is just today. Oh, it's so cute. But like she's showing us everybody's missing out. Go watch go watch Jen's YouTube channel, okay? It's really cute. (laughs) It's really cute. So cute. Even if you don't watch it, you can just play it in the background and mute me so that I can get like watched hours. (laughs) Yes. Yes. When I was trying to become monetized, like there's cat there's like certain things you have to do. You have to get like a certain amount of watch hours, like live watch hours, a certain amount of subscribers, and blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, to my mother-in-law, can you just put my videos on like all day long? (laughs) And she was like, yeah. And then I had other planner friends who were like, yep, just play in your videos on repeat, like over and over. And I was like, yes. So yeah, if you don't, if you're not into planning and you don't want to look at stickers, that's fine. Just play me in the background. Nobody will know. I think it's interesting because I don't really have a hobby and there's nothing that really gets me excited or Mm -hmm either excited or makes me feel calm or there's just Mm. nothing. I think that's probably just a, a depression program in playing in the background. But, uh, I think, you know, even, even when I bought myself my own happy planner, I got so many sticker books. It was insane, (laughs) but can I find them now? No. No clue where they are because I often have a hard time with follow through. Mm -hmm. So I'll buy all of the supplies. I'm like, for real, um, I was going to say for real Korean because they go all out. And, you know, when they like, it it just reminded me of when I, uh, when I went hiking against my own will. I went hiking (laughs) in Korea and um, I would see these, you know, these native Koreans with their, their exercise outfits with their, you know, their poles and they're just flying by me. I mean, they look the part. 
so anyway so like i can look the part but then when it comes to follow through i have Mm. a really difficult time um and like you talk about being in overdrive and i think i do that i think i Mm. have that that's i think that's adhd yeah um but i also am like very not motivated in Mm. in some of the way that some of the ways that don't impact no i have figured out that i am in overdrive only when it involves other people yes we have if talked about that people are depending mm-hmm. on me yeah yeah, yeah. but if oh, it's well, how just do you think me it, yeah well yeah yeah well, how do you think i got yeah. you like when i was like okay katie so you're gonna start taking your meds and you're gonna say <laughs> Jen's checking it. it. Let you better let yeah, Jen pick this like off her planner me. this week, Katie. I, it was this me was being true. like, I'm gonna mm-hmm. text. I'm at, like, I want you to do this for you, but I am gonna follow up with you. Yeah. Well, we need <laughs> community, true. Katie. That's yeah. why. Seriously, that's. I know you and I preach it all the time, but it's so true. Like, you can't do this alone. No. Can, no. None of us can. Yeah. No, it's too much. Yeah. There's too many aspects of it that is it's just so hard to do it alone and oftentimes when I think when I try to do it alone I get too overwhelmed Mm -hmm. and then I quit Mm -hmm. because I set myself up for failure yeah that makes sense yeah that sounds logical but I think yeah I don't know do people know that we've known each other for a while? I was going to say, we should probably They probably <laughs> don't know. And they're probably like, have you guys had this rapport, yeah. you weirdos? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. So, Jen, Jen and I met on Instagram, like most. Most adoptees. <laughs> All of us did, <laughs> actually. Yeah. 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 Uh, during COVID. And I've had the beautiful opportunity to meet Jen <laughs> a couple times. It's been twice, right? I think so. Yeah, at least that twice. Sounds right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um. So it's 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 it was just natural to reach out to Jen about it to have her as our first guest, but also, oh. you know, when it comes to wellness, you are so open and transparent mm-hmm. about it, and I think so many people can relate to that, and they want people to be real, yeah, with them. Yeah, and I think that's what. Why it was so easy for us to be like, oh, Jen. Yeah. Oh, yep. that's so kind. That mm-hmm. is, that is like, for me, I, I have a little bio like on my Instagram and it says, like, I write this little spiel, but really what it boils down to is that planning equals wellness for me. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's not just a place where I track, you know, all of the things that Nora has going on and all of the PTA things and our appointments and all that, but it's also a place where I track, like I said, I have a section where I track my exercise, what I've eaten, if I feel like that needs to be what I'm tracking and it can change. It doesn't have to be the same thing every week. It's just, yeah. Like for a while, when I first started getting back on the health and exercise bandwagon, which was a year ago now, um, it was, I need, I needed to develop a habit because I was so unmotivated and I was in such an unhealthy rut. So for me, it was literally like tracking. Did you move 20 minutes today? That was it. Like I wanted to start with very basic, simple, set myself up for success because I knew for me, if I could see on paper, like, yes, I did that thing and I got to check it off. That makes me feel motivated to do it again the next day. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's about finding like knowing yourself and finding out like what 
like for somebody who doesn't care to see anything on paper, that is going to do nothing for them. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe you need to use an app or maybe you have to have a friend who you, you know, like to be held accountable and check in with each other or whatever. But for me, that's, that's what I was doing. And then I started to be able to track like my migraines and, Mm. Now that I'm 40, I get to track other things that are really Stop. fun. Stop yeah, it. yeah, perimenopause. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Yay. So fun. Oh, so best. Uh, I love that for me. Not really. All the symptoms. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, but like the other direction that I think some of us can take this is like to the extreme, too, right? And like, go way too like diet and exercise way too much oh, way for like, sure. eat, eating disorders yes that kind of thing have you ever got like swung the opposite direction on that pendulum oh yeah my yeah. background is so I was a cheerleader in high school um and then after high school locally I live in like the um Albany area of New York so upstate just outside the capital for those of you listening who don't know, New York City is not the capital no. of New York. Um, just kidding. Sorry. Edit that out, Patrick. That was rude. A little geography uh, lesson for everyone. So sorry. I got up on my pedestal. Um, yeah. So I, what was I talking about? I didn't take my Adderall today. You were um, you were a dancer. You were a semi-pro I was a dancer. dancer. Yeah, I was a semi-pro dancer after high school because in Albany there really wasn't like the college I went to didn't have a great cheer team because that would have been my number one choice. I would have loved to have continued to cheer. I was all American in high school. I loved it. It was something that I was good at and it was fun. Well, they didn't have that. So I met somebody in my college who was like, well, there's this like random lacrosse team that plays at the Times Union Center, which is like a big arena. And now it's something else, but um, it's still there and they still have lots of concerts and all that kind of stuff there. And, and she's like, if you want, like you could, try out for that that's dance it's not cheer but like you know it's a game and I was like oh okay and at that point I really had just missed cheer so I wanted to try something I have zero dance experience other than being on a cheerleading squad which is very different from (laughs) professional dancing (laughs) in case you don't know because people are like oh so you you know you were a natural dancer I was like "Mm, but not (laughs) but not really because I was like they were using all these terms I'm like a what a who (laughs) A what? What's a pirouette? A pirou who? Pirouette? Who's that? <laughs> like I had no idea, but I did make it because I guess there were just probably not that many people trying out. <laughs> I don't know, but by some small miracle, I made that team. And then after that, that was great because it was like, who wants to go watch professional lacrosse? Nobody. So it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't like scary. It wasn't. Um, but it was a great introduction into like being a semi-pro dancer. So the next season was going to be arena football. And they were like, this is a little bit bigger. It's a little bit more of a popular sport, you know, a small, a small audience. There'll be like 8,000 people. And I was like, huh? Um, okay, well, I'll try out. Let's do it. I didn't think I would make it because it was much different. There were a lot more people who tried out and it was like over several weekends. I did. And so I just kept doing that. And long story short, it was, I danced for, there was a basketball league, there was um, hockey and arena football. And so I danced for those three different sports teams from like 2000 to maybe 2010. So 10 years of um, being very, very, very self-conscious about my physical appearance and prioritizing diet and over-exercising 
um, I have been diagnosed with body dysmorphia. Um, so yes, I for sure struggled with that, which is why when I started planning and I, and why after I had Nora, I purposefully stayed away from trying to even go down any type of exercise rabbit hole, because I was just like, I'm not in a place where I can trust myself. I, I just, I don't think that's good. And my motivation was Nora. I wanted to be healthy for her. And so I was like, I can't start working out now because I know that I'm unhealthy. Um, and I will probably throw myself into it. And I, um, when I finally did start working out regularly, I, my husband knew obviously that this was a struggle I had in the past. And so I just said, you just have to keep me in check. If you see me like overworking out or not eating enough or anything like that, you, you know, you obviously have to like kick me in the butt and say, Hey, like, that's not cool. Or you need to change this or that. But that fortunately didn't happen. I just kept very small attainable goals and gave myself a lot of grace. And I have to, I think actively continue to do that. So being okay with the fact that I just ate five guys for lunch, but, and didn't (laughs) exercise today because I think I pinched a nerve during yoga. So that just means you're old when that happens. Oh my gosh. I know you turn your head too far to the left. I was breathing and (laughs) I pinched a nerve. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Who am I even? Uh, yeah, you can go too far for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like I'm, you're just such a self-aware person. I think that's what I'm learning again about you. Oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Katie, you ask things now. <laughs> <laughs> Katie, tag. Um, so, okay. So what advice would you give listeners that are struggling with organization, whether that's, you know, they give up, um, maybe setting themselves up for failure, or they want to just be consistent, or maybe they're in overdrive. So like, how, how have you found balance in, in the organization aspect? And then what would you give some advice to listeners that really want to, to be and feel more organized in their lives? Mm. That's a great question. I, I really think it's an individual thing because all of us work differently and our brains work differently and the way that we um, like things to be organized is different. And I think it's dangerous when we have things like the Home Edit and Marie Kondo who are great, but they mm-hmm. are very specific styles of organizing and the way that their brains work is very different than the way that somebody else's brain might work. And so somebody else, let's just sit, call them like Bob, whatever works for Bob is not going to be the way Marie Kondo, we don't all think like her. We don't right. all have the same preferences that she has. And her standards are probably different than a lot of ours. Right. So I think you have to think about um, what pri- priorities do you have that need to be you know, you might need just a little bit more of a nudge with. And does it help you more? Because you don't have to use paper. You can use apps like Better Note and things like that to write down things that you need to remember to do or to hold yourself accountable. Um, but I would say it really does depend on what works best for you and what um, what types of things your brain responds to. And then if you are somebody who like wants to start getting into paper planning or, or um just having a list or something, just make sure it's somewhere where you will see it multiple times a day 
and stays open and you're okay with it being open and out on a surface somewhere like your kitchen table or your like you have a landing area when you walk in the house somewhere where you can have that all be um and I recommend starting like looking at things from a bigger perspective and then like going I don't know what the best way to describe it is like starting out looking at the overall perspective and then getting into like the details so if I were to look at like my whole year what are like the biggest events in the year that I have that I have to remember? And then I would put those down in the calendar. And then I would mm-hmm. look at the months and say, what are the next like things that are happening that month that I know I have to prioritize and put that down on the calendar. And then mm-hmm. if you want, you can break it down into like weekly, you know, daily, like I do. And it can work like that for not just like appointments and things like that, but projects you might have goals, you might have things like that. They can all be like broken down into smaller steps that are much more manageable because if you look at it as I have to organize my entire pantry, that may be like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. That's, <laughs> that's so way true. Too daunting. But I'm if you break it down, yeah. I'm Sorry. glad that you mentioned about, you know, being able to just be okay with not being what we see on TV and, mm-hmm. and like this perfect scenario. And I think that if my, if I had that many containers, I would be so overwhelmed and I would put everything in every drawer, mm-hmm. like every container. Because right. for me, I get I would get too overwhelmed thinking, well, it's not fitting in this mm. container and it's not technically this container. So do I need another container? <laughs> like, I think that I think that's really how I would function. And then and then I just wouldn't be able to maintain it. And mm-hmm. and again, like, I feel like you have to know what's going to set yourself up for success yes. rather than failure. Mm-hmm. And just being able, like you said, to acknowledge that you have your own way. Mm-hmm. And it's okay, if it's a small step or a big step. And yeah, and then working from there, yeah. as opposed to just copying something. Yeah. Yes. And like how that changes through our lifespan, right? Like mm-hmm. what you need organization and plan. Yeah, always. And I actually just saw a funny article that I think someone mentioned Marie Kondo doesn't even Marie Kondo anymore because she's on <laughs> yeah. number three. So she's like, I don't even try. Like yeah, no. Nobody's no. folding those shirts into tiny little Triangles. squares. Yeah, yeah, no, we're not no. doing that no. anymore. Okay. Yeah. 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 No, that's very true. And my planner style has evolved even in like the past couple of years. But I think if you just start with what works for you, even if it's literally writing down, like we call it a brain dump, like you just have a notebook, you don't have to invest a lot of money. You can literally go to Dollar Tree and get like a, or I call it the Dollar 25 tree, the like a, a composition. I'm in California, notebook. so it's a dollar 50 here. Oh, <laughs> disrespectful. Yeah. Um, so, you know, then you can just write down your list of things that you got to do and check mm-hmm. them off and start mm-hmm. small. And you mm-hmm. might decide like, hey, I kind of want to make this list look a little bit more cute. I'm going to get myself some stickers. You know, they don't have to be boxes of Happy Planner stickers. They can be you know, stickers from Trader Joe's that you get when you check out on the, (laughs) like they could be free stickers. Like, you know, you don't have to go overboard with it. For me, it's definitely a very particular hobby and style of planning, but it does not have to be the way that I do it. So 
give yourself grace when you're starting out. If it's something you want to try exploring, don't buy all the things, figure out your style first and then buy all the things. I love that you bring creativity into planning. Cause I think a lot of us to look at planning and organizing as like, like Katie, you were saying so daunting, but also boring. Mm. Like I don't want to spend three hours like looking at what I need to do this week or I don't, you know what I mean? And so like when mm-hmm. I look at your YouTube channel or, or the things that you're doing, it's something, it can bring an element of like, oh, that's actually fun. Mm-hmm. And it can make it more, look more like me and what I like versus, you know, which I think for adoptees, that's such a huge thing for us. Like, cause mm-hmm. I mean, to be honest, we spend so much of our lives knowing, having no clue who we are to then be able to play and bring creativity into a process that doesn't feel fun or creative. Yeah. It's such a cool way to explore more about like our identity and what we like and don't like and stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's more, it's way more than stickers for me. Um, But looking at a page that is aesthetically pleasing, I know for me makes me want to come back and look at it again. Yeah. If I, you know, if I just had, like, I'm not the type of person who could just write something down on a, on a piece of paper and, be happy about it. I want it to look cute. <laughs> so it does help me to to have these pretty spreads to come back to and like be able to check it off. I love the feeling of checking something off. And yes, I will write things down just to check them off. Um, and it still feels just as good because I did the task. So I'm still going to let myself, you know, allow myself the pleasure of writing it down just to check it off. Um, and, and then it does make me like if I write it down, like I wrote organized fridge and snack pantry. I got to do it. Like it's going to, that is going to drive me out of my ever loving mind. If mm-hmm. I see it sitting there for more than like a week and I keep writing, cause what I do is on my to-do list, my daily to-do list, if it doesn't get done, I move it to the next day. The thing doesn't get checked off. So if I have to keep rewriting it, I'm like, okay, I'm just sick of writing it. Like I just need to go and do it. You know, like <laughs> yeah. I had, I had reorganized declutter the bathroom closets on my list literally for like six months. And I finally last week was like, I am so freaking sick of writing that down. I need to just go do it. And you know, it only took me an hour after all that time of perseverating over like being intimidated by taking things out and reorganizing in one hour. Well, it's kind of kicking myself now. Wow. Yeah. I avoid. (laughs) Yeah. I I avoid deeply. Yeah. Um, And I think it's like the fight or flight or freeze. Mm -hmm fun like I am going to freeze like crazy and hope that it disappears if I don't see it then they don't see me so I just avoid it like it's my job and hope (laughs) that someone does it for me yep oh Mm -hmm. Uh, and how has that worked out well you know it's it's been a touch and go situation Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have the perseverating yeah. disease, right? Uh, where, where if I'm going to do a project, I'm going to like forget everything else in my life and only work on organizing the bathroom cabinets. So do mm-hmm. I have a child today? No, I'm organizing the bathroom cabinets. Oh, did you want me to like make dinner tonight? No, I'm, I can't like, I have, Oh, that's me too. I just take it to the nth degree. And it's yeah. like, it's, it's helpful for some things. I think like we, Mm -hmm. we all have like some of that can be a superpower. Avoidance can actually be a superpower sometimes, but it also can just like make life really fun. (laughs) (laughs) It's about balance. It's definitely about balance. So 
What is something that you would tell young baby adoptee Jen, younger, younger Jen, um, if you could go back and tell in her. In general or about what? About. That feels like a way open-ended question. It is. It is. On purpose because I want you to um, like, if there's something on your mind that has come up, do you know, as far as where you're at in your wellness journey, where do you, what do you think you would tell younger you about, about life? I think I would validate the fact that I felt like I never belonged anywhere first and foremost, because why should I feel that way? Because I was literally ripped from my culture and my family and my language and my people and everything and placed in a very foreign, you know, unfamiliar place with people who don't look like me, don't sound like the people I knew sounded like. Mm. Um, and so I would give myself just the space to, um, to grieve and to be okay with feeling like I didn't belong and not trying so hard to make it be like, I don't know, to fix that feeling. Yeah. yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, I don't that, even know if that, that makes hit sense. me right in the heart, Jen. I'm okay. having, having a moment. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. it's so powerful because so many of us feel that way as adults. Like it, it never goes mm-hmm. away sometimes. And oh, yeah. how do you cope with that? How do you manage that? And how do you move forward? Allow yourself to move forward mm. rather than sitting in it. Like I obviously you have to acknowledge it and you have to deal with it. Um, but also like, how do you move forward with all of those feelings and all of the core beliefs Mm. that you don't belong that you know yeah I think I um as an adult a lot of a lot of the advice that I feel like I'm able to give is it comes from wanting to be the most healthy version of myself I can be for Nora Mm -hmm. um and none of the the motivation for wanting to become a more whole individual happened until I had her um and so I think for me, it's a matter of saying, like, what would I want for her, right? Like, if she's, you know, parenting nowadays looks very different from parenting when we were growing up. Mm-hmm. And I'm very glad that it looks different because parenting nowadays says validate your child's feelings, let them have their minute to be upset. And their poor little brains can't even process all that's happening right now, let alone the fact that they're on the floor kicking and screaming, you know acknowledge, I see you're having a really tough time right now. You really wanted to play with that toy. That's hard. And just giving them the space to process and move through that emotion while you're physically present and they're emotionally supported, not having to fix it, not having to like, oh, let me go get that toy for you. It's okay here. No, that's not, that's not really going to help in the long run because in the long run, they have to figure out that it's going to be okay. They do need to move through that emotion. They do need to experience that discomfort maybe, and they're still going to be okay. And we didn't have that as adoptees. We, we are trauma bred from day one. And so for me, it's like, 
okay, I know that's what I would do with Nora. So for myself, like, I know that I am experiencing something really uncomfortable right now, but it's not going to kill me and I'm going to move through it and it's going to be okay. And like, I literally have to like say that to myself, like I'm talking to Nora and then Mm. I can do it. If I wasn't a parent, I don't know that I would have that same advice because I just, yeah, I just probably wouldn't. I wouldn't have that perspective. I love that you are making that space for yourself and connecting that. And I can see, I can see connections on what you've talked about earlier with the, you know, you need that, you need to feel that success, right. Of like checking stuff off and being, you know, getting things done and having Mm -hmm. that having that feeling of accomplishment, building that confidence, it sounds like it really helped you get to that, the place where you trust yourself. Like you trust that, mm-hmm. like you're going to be okay. But building yeah. that trust is, I mean, I remember like baby 20 year old me, like she, <sighs> if she heard me say that, she'd be like, yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Shot, shot, shots. Like yeah, that's exactly. I, I mean, yeah. Twenty-year-old me. Oh uh-huh. no, we yeah. don't want to talk about her. She's no. she was a big mess over here too. I was mm-hmm. I was uh I was not. <laughs> anyway, no, that's ma'am. another episode. <laughs> yeah. No. Jen, we want to thank you so much for sharing so much of your life. The best thing that I love about you is that a grammatically correct sentence? No, yes. it's not. Yes, the, it is. Okay. All right. The best thing that I love about you is that you have, from day one, continually been so open and transparent and real. And I don't think there is a better trait than Aww. than that. I think people in general just want the raw, the real deal. And mm-hmm. I think that it makes other adoptees and people in general feel drawn to you because of that yeah so agree yeah so we want to thank you for coming on and sharing so much of your life and so much of your your brain and your thoughts and we love you and appreciate you and um yeah thank you thank you i'm so proud of you for doing this podcast and i'm so honored to be the first guest that's really huge but more than anything I'm just so thrilled for you guys and just doing all that you can to center adoptee voices and perspectives it's just absolutely amazing you guys have been guests on so many different podcasts over and over and you continue to contribute to the community but this is really I feel like your your baby and you guys can run with this and really make it your own and I'm just so excited to see what's going to happen on this journey for you both it's going to be amazing thank you friend we appreciate it we'll talk to you soon okay 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 bye okay bye Bye. well that was wonderful i love chatting with jen yeah love chatting Mm -hmm. with jen that was a really i feel like a really practical useful an insightful interview yeah like about a topic that affects all of us yeah yeah yeah. and I think I struggle with it so much like the idea of I love the idea of being organized and in some ways I think my ADHD drives me to be organized Mm 
Mm. Like, for example, in my emails, my work emails, I have one billion folders. Mm. Mm. And in every every basically every topic project whatever it is gets its folder Mm -hmm. but the problem is that sometimes if there's not an exact category for it i'll just start getting sloppy with it yeah and putting it into different folders and then i can't find it ever again yep so like it's interesting because i want to be and i and in some regards i really am very organized and then in, and then when I get derailed, sometimes it makes me get sloppy. And then in other ways, it feels impossible for me to get organized. Yeah. And I, I don't know why that is, but yeah, I, I, I attribute I, that to my ADHD. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I love what Jen was talking about, um, finding the system that works for you, yeah. you know, and I think I find still at, you know, Katie and I are the same age, just full transparency. We're, we're both like late thirties at this point. Um, but like, even (laughs) at this age, finding what works for us is still, it's still hard. Right. And, um, whenever there's any big change in life, like you just had a new job, you know, start and my kid is about to turn two, but I still in a lot of ways feel like a new parent, any big life shift. I feel like we have to reassess what that looks like you know? And like, Mm -hmm. what, what does it mean to be organized? Is it, does it look like how we were raised or is it different? Mm. You know, does it look like, you know, what we were doing five years ago or. That's a good point. I think I also have a hard time. Well, I, I also think that because we're constantly changing, there's always life events, not even big life events. They're small yeah. events. And based on what we've been through in our past, it is really hard to maintain or like pivot from what we were doing into something new and different that will that will still be helpful to us. Yeah. I think that sometimes gets overwhelming too. Oh, I, I was gonna say I have I'm so rigid like about things and to the point where it derails me kind of similar to what you were talking about where, you know, I just got this planner and I have this idea in my head that I'm going to use it every day. And I'm going to, you know, Jen's like a huge inspiration to me with all her stickers and I'm going to try to be, uh, Mm -hmm. creative and I'm going to, I'm just going to kill it. And I go into this, this is how I am with a lot of things. I go into this idea with like, I'm going to be amazing. This is going to be great. And I think in the back of my mind, what's really happening is it's perfectionism, like yeah. trying to put down roots and take over this process for me versus like, oh, hey, this doesn't have to be like, you know, all or nothing. You know, this can be <laughs> however I want to use it. Maybe one week I don't, maybe I, you know, or, or maybe I need to do some things different. Um, so it's hard for me because it's not, it doesn't feel like I'm allowed, like this rigidity, this trauma response, yes. which I know doesn't feel like I'm allowed to try things. Yes. Oh my gosh. This is my whole life. Yeah. I have, I, I was thinking while we were interviewing Jen that a lot of times, you, well, you know this about me. I have so many notebooks and, and planners and journals and I just don't want to write in them because they're just too pretty. And, and also I, ha- I have this need to, to have like an exact purpose for each 
notebook, each planner. And if I can't do it successfully, then I don't want to do it at all. So now I just have blank everything. I have three notebooks. Oh, no, I have two notebooks and one planner on my desk right now. And then not to mention, like behind me, there's probably four empty notebooks that I have. And I think it is it's this perfectionism that it has to be a specific purpose. And if I can't find that, then there's no use in using it. It is just the all or nothing. And it it makes me so angry, because I want to, I kind of, I mean, I am messy. Believe me, I am so messy. And I, and not just like in the unorganized kind of way it's like I acknowledge my life is very messy and I I want to kind of be that in the sense of the perfectionism way yeah I want to just let go yeah but I feel like sometimes well mainly a lot of times my brain will not allow me to just be messy and just have scribbles all over these pages and yeah I don't know why. Yeah. I just, I think, no, I know. I mean, I honestly, I feel this is, this sounds like a tangent, but I swear it's related. I feel the same way about therapy sometimes, you know, Yeah, Yeah, where it's like, okay, cool. So are we going to, we going to wrap this up now? We're going to resolve this whole like adoption trauma thing. Can we just like, (laughs) yeah, you'd be done with this now. Right. Like just cross it. Like Jen was talking about how good it feels to cross stuff off. That's how I want to be with everything. Like this sucks. I don't want to do this. I'm going to cross this off and put it to bed. Right. And it's like, no, that's not really how this thing called Mm. life works. So finding that flexibility, maybe. I think that's interesting because it, Oh, Luna, 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 Luna feels me. She is very upset yep. because it's a very nice day outside. Oh, geez. Um, I think it's interesting because I don't feel that way about therapy. I think mainly because I, in my, in my head, I know that is a process. Yeah. It has to be a process. So I've like mm-hmm. ingrained in myself. It can't get done today, nor will it ever have a, yeah, probably have a reaching point or a completion point. Yeah. But it's, it's things that I think, yes, they should have a complete date and I should be able to cross it off and I just can't. And then I feel like nothing gets done. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) I know. I know. It's so hard. Where do you think, let me ask you this. Is there an area of organization that you feel like you do well at or are the best at it could be Mm. planning organizing anything I like planning I like planning because they have like very concrete goals and very uh I I tend to like well I tend to like it I will say it's very stressful as well for me because I there's so many unknown components of like the RSVP aspect of it. Like I have no control over that. So that part is so hard, but all the other aspects of, Oh my goodness, Luna, all the other aspects of, of the planning aspect, like event planning, um, throwing parties, even though I, I don't throw parties, but I used to. And yeah, I love 
doing the details. I think yeah. I'm very detail oriented. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm very all or nothing in that too. Yeah. It's either like if it's math and science and it's details, I am no way going to understand or want to be in those details. I will yep. run away. Yeah. But if it's English, if it's uh, arts, something like that or something creative, I enjoy those details. I enjoy putting them together. I enjoy even like data sometimes, like spreadsheets. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. sometimes I like doing that too. And I think honestly it's because like I know that I can just complete it. Yeah. Like I think it has to do with the outcome of it. Sure, for sure. You know? Yeah. And yeah. I don't know. There I don't feel like there's too many things that I feel like I can absolutely complete. Yeah. So maybe yeah. maybe that's why I'm so limited. Sure. <laughs> what about you? Very similar. I think I, I share that uh, attention to detail. And, um, you know, my husband is much more go with the flow, which is good. It's a good balance for me to have a partner that I think doesn't feel like they need to plan everything because mm-hmm. I also think sometimes my planning, while it can be definitely be a strength, it can also be, um, you know, it can hold me back because yeah. I didn't plan for this. And how do I, re- how do I respond to that? And that can be really anxiety provoking for me. And, um, but I think, I think I'm getting better at just trying new things. Um, Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. Like my husband and I took golf lessons a few years ago and I'm not a good golfer, which go, (laughs) it feels like that's given, but just, just so we're clear, I'm not, I'm not a good golfer. And it was very frustrating for me. And I, I think a lot of us have this experience where we try something new and we're not good at it. And we're just like, well, I'm a terrible person. Like, and it's, yeah, it's same. same. And so I can bring that energy to almost anything in life. And I I recently have noticed that if I just step back and remind myself, the stakes are actually not high. No one is, no one is, uh, expecting me to be a good golfer. No one's expecting Mm -hmm. me. Like the only person that wants that for me is me. Then Mm -hmm. maybe there's a little more room for looking, being messy, not looking Mm. perfect. Mm. Um, so I don't know. I think I'm, I'm starting to get better at that. And I am trying to, I don't know if you've noticed this one. I'm trying to flip things that I generally hate about myself into, well, that could also be a good thing. (laughs) Like the the type A thing is a pain in the ass, but it's also helpful to have that as a skill. So absolutely. I I really genuinely believe the things that we think are our weakness is actually our strength. Yeah. I really believe that. I think that it's, it can be hindering and catapult us forward in life. Yes. I think in such, in such a great way. I, I really believe that. And yeah, it really is a matter of perspective and being able to, embrace that piece of yourself yeah which is hard it is because usually but it's there's important. a story to that mm. mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and there's a piece of yourself mm. that you can't extricate right that is probably 
at what at either at one point or in some way is important. Um, and that's, that's kind of how I feel about some of this re- repetitive stuff. It's like, okay, can we just be done with this? Just let's just get rid of it. Well, that's not how healing and accepting ourselves really works. Right. It's more about yeah. listening to that than anything. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Well, I always love our chats, our discussions. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I mentioned last, our first episode, that um, one thing we're going to be doing at the end of the longer episodes is a mindfulness activity. And so I told Katie that I was going to prepare that. And you are welcome to join us. If you want to stick around, it's going to last about two minutes total. I'm not sure if we'll have Patrick put music behind it or not. We can. Ooh, twinkle music. Oh, okay. Okay, great. Um, (laughs) So I'm just going to describe a little bit about what we're going to do today. And you guys can decide if you want to do it. If at any point you are doing this exercise and you feel uncomfortable, you feel like it's actually making you feel more anxious. I recommend physically moving your body up, stopping, stopping the podcast, moving out of the room and doing something else. Um, just, just throwing that out there since I can't see people in person, you know, this is, this has to be self-guided. So just, just a caveat there. But today's exercise is going to be one where we're focusing on breath, but also um, counting. And so what we're going to do is we're going to count to 10, repeat that throughout the whole two minutes. Um, And we're going to inhale for one and exhale on two, inhale on three, exhale on four, et cetera, up to 10, just so everybody knows. What you might find is you might find your breath slows down. You might find your body relaxes, but you might not find that at all. And that's okay too. Something that I'm trying to remind myself as I practice mindfulness is that it is a practice. And when we first start doing it, we generally don't like it and it's uncomfortable. (laughs) So that's normal. So cue the twinkly music Mm. and we're just going to get comfortable. Either close your eyes or rest your gaze somewhere where you're comfortable. And we're going to start by breathing in for one, out for two, and continuing for two minutes at your own pace. If you find yourself, get distracted, start over at one. Open your eyes when you're ready. All right. So we did it. We practiced it one time. What was that like for you, Katie? Honestly, I almost fell asleep. Okay. Yeah. I don't hate that. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I needed 
some of that quiet time too. Yeah. So I felt yep. quiet and and sometimes it was a little uncomfortable. So yep. it's yep. that too. Same. Very mm-hmm. much same. It's really hard for me to sit still, as I've said. So well, very excited about this episode being released into the world. As always, we are grateful to everybody who has been so supportive of us on this journey. And um, we look forward to chit-chatting again in a couple weeks about our journeys. The next month. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. It'll be March All before right. we know it. Whoop, whoop. Bye. Okay, bye. <laughs>